0: Look to the person next to you, either or, left or right, and tell them, I'm on fire for God today. today. Amen. You know, I never thought we'd see the day again where the church was warm. It's been so cold for so long, but when people start praising God, things happen, but next winter, remember that. Amen. You know, I woke up with a thought this morning, and I shared it with my praise and worship team, and I'll share it with you. It's the first thing I thought about when I woke up this morning. It has nothing to do with my preaching, but it's excellent thought. <clears throat> so, uh, I-, I wondered to myself, why when an athlete fails and falls, but overcomes, he's a champion. When a Christian does the same thing, he's a hypocrite. I just, that's a free one. No offering. It's free. Um... This is probably my last preaching today on prayer, and I want to talk to you, if you haven't been keeping notes, it's prayer, Uh, when the church prays. We're in the fourth message of when the church prays, and I want to talk to you today, prayer and the Word of God. Over the course of these past weeks, we've taken a a, a truly comprehensive look at prayer from, I think, a unique standpoint. We have covered prayer and faith, prayer and trust, prayer and desire but today, I want to really look at prayer and the Word of God. So, allow me to take you into this passage of Scripture, uh, John, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 8. If you can take me down just a little bit in my monitor, Hector, we're having a little feedback. I believe that if you really stay attentive today, you will be empowered. I don't know about you, but I desire every day that when I come into God's house, that I don't leave the same that I leave empowered. I leave with a little more than what I came with. Amen. Tell somebody next to you, I want the power. John, the 15th chapter, the verses 1 through 8, we're going to start with. And it says, This Jesus speaking, I am the true vine. And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Now listen, church. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, somebody say must, remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. He says it again, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers and dies. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. Now listen, if you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Grab somebody's hand around you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, and we ask you to speak to our hearts, speak to our spirits this morning, Father, that we can hear from your word, and that it would fall on good soil. That we would be Christians that bear fruit in this household, God. That we understand no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We come against every work of the enemy designed to hinder our minds today. And we plead the blood of Jesus over our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Same chapter, and why don't you look at the 16th verse now. And the 17th, and it says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit and fruit that will last then the father will give you whatever somebody shot whatever you ask in my name this is my command love each other tell somebody you love them let's just start by looking at this first verse Jesus declared I am the true vine and my father is the gardener I am the vine this is such a key scripture in the word of God. Why? Because he starts with two words. I am. Jesus is, 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 is directly referring to himself as, as God did in Exodus, the third chapter, when he spoke to Moses and Moses declared, who shall I say sent me? He said, I am. He said, I am the vine. I need you to understand. We've spoken on this sometimes about I am. He was really covering everything you can possibly need. And that right there by itself can preach. He said, I am. I am Jehovah. I am Elohim. I am Adonai. I am Jehovah Yahweh. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Shama. Jehovah everything. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Raphni. God says, I can do anything and be everything for you. I am Jehovah Shalom. I am Jehovah Eli.'" And I am El Shaddai, the great I am, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega. I am your shepherd. I am the sacrifice. I am your God. I am the the, the bright and morning star. He says, I am our father. I am your advocate before God. I am the only sovereign, almighty God. Tell somebody he is. He declares in the scripture, I am the ancient of days, I am the lily of the valley, I am the rose of Sharon, I am the beginning, I am the end, I am the bread of God, I am the bread of life, I am the bridegroom that waits for you, I am everything you need. Jesus is telling us who he is, I am the author of life, I am, I am the author of your faith, it is I, I am the true vine. He was letting them know there's many fake vines but he says I am your comforter I am your commander I am your counselor I am your consolation I am your perfect peace in a time of trouble I am your strength in a moment of weakness I am everything you need if you would just let me fill that void in your life I proclaim that God is everything I am your cornerstone I am an all-consuming fire I am the creator your deliverer I am the desire of all the nations I am the very door of life Tell somebody he is. He declares, I am the faithful and true, the everlasting father, the eternal God. I am the foundation of everything you believe. I am not just your God, but I am your friend. I am a gentle whisper in a storm. I am God himself. I am the good shepherd. I am the great I am. I am the high priest. I am your guide through dark times. I am Jesus. I am the Messiah, the king of kings. Are you getting my point? He is. He said, I am the Lamb of God. I am the leader that you look for. I am the life that you wake up and breathe. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you would just trust in me, if you would just believe in me, you would stop being so weak-willed and weak-minded and depend on the great I am. And when the devil tells you who sent you, you just say, I am has sent me. God is love, God is glory He is the master, your mediator He is your merciful God He is the messenger of the covenant He is the mighty one, the alpha and the omega, our Passover lamb He is your sacrifice He is your prince of peace He is your redeemer, He is the very resurrection He is the rock, He is the seed that we grow upon, He is the shepherd of our souls, the shield of defense that we use, He is the source of our life He is the star of Jacob the son of righteousness, He is the very true Truth that we believe, He is the teacher, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the witness, the wonderful God, and last but not least, He is the very spoken word of God. That when God declared, "Let there be light," it was Jesus. It was the very word that went forth and created. I wish you could understand how Jesus is trying to identify Himself by declaring, "I am the true vine." There are many fake vines, but I, Jesus, I am the true vine. I'm the real deal, and my Father, he is the gardener. He declares all those, meaning the Christians, the believers, that bear no fruit will be cut off by the Father. And yet those who bear fruit, my Father, he says, will prune you so that you may be more fruitful. There's nothing like a time in your life when you know you're doing right and nothing seems to go good. Understand that when you are in that season of your life, God is just pruning you so you can be more fruitful. For why would God settle for the little we give when he knows if he would just cut a couple of things in your life. If he would just trim this and trim that, that you would have more come out of you. And I challenge you, the design of God for your life is to get more out of you. Tell somebody next to you he needs more of you. In the end, the truth is God wants a Christian fruitful people bearing godly fruit. Jesus goes on to declare that we are clean because what he has spoken over us already. Why did he say that? He was setting up the next verses where he says, You can come and ask anything of me. Don't worry about how you feel. You can ask anything of me because you are clean by my very word. Verse four, he said, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, somebody say, must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Understand this, this imagery he's using. This vine is is commonly referred to as Israel in the scripture. It represents Israel many times. And the vine is a representation of of a grapevine where there's grapes growing out of it. And have you ever seen a grapevine or a tree where a branch falls off? And for a couple of days it looks healthy. For a couple of days it looks like it's it's a healthy branch. But in time, somebody say in time, it begins to wither and crack. And he's saying in your life. You are like a branch withering and cracking. You must remain in me. You must remain in the church. You must remain in in just believing God, having faith. You must remain. Somebody say remain. Jesus tells us if we remain in him, if we stay connected to him, connected to God, connected to our, our leaders, our church, our family, that God will guide us connected through his word connected through his prayers then his promise is if we stay connected to him he will stay connected to us no branch he said can bear fruit by itself no branch can fall off a tree and live it it always dies no Christian can leave a church and and not serve God and and have true abundance in their life and, and there's no life outside of Christ once your connection to God is severed your life fails to bear real good fruit How many times uh, have you desired to be fruitful and multiply in your lives? You desire to see more of God. I can't be the only person who desires to see more. That I have to stay connected to God. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Stay connected in my prayers. We cannot bear fruit unless we are in Him. Understand this, that, that there are no seeds in the branches if a branch falls off it cannot be planted to grow a tree because there is not seed in the branch there is only seed that comes from the stem of the vine or what grows through the stem onto the branches and holds off the branches but yet a branch alone can never grow life so he says a branch cannot bear fruit what is he saying? a branch has no seed and if you do not stay connected to God and have God's word in you the very words you speak are always going to be meaningless Everything you work for, everything you go to, every relationship, every friendship, it will fall apart in time because there has to be a life spoken from you that only comes from the word of God. How do we stay connected to God? Through communication. How do we communicate? Prayer. Tell your neighbor we're still talking about prayer. Verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and if a man remains in me, The second time he says it now, and he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away. That withers. such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn. But if you remain in me, and my words, somebody say my words, remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. For this is to the glory of my Father, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus reiterates again his standing as God and and that if we keep him, he keeps us. But I like when he says, if you remain in me and I in you and you keep my word in you, whatever you wish. Now, how many of you know the things you wish for aren't the things you need? If you want to be honest, the only things you need in life is oxygen and some food and water. You don't need nothing else. You don't need a shelter over your head. You can survive in the elements if you, if you just put your heart to it. Everything else, I need you to understand that we, we, we get so spiritual these days. You can't pray for that car because that's so materialistic and that's not God's will. Well, your house is materialistic. Your bed is materialistic. Your shoes are material. Don't get super saved on me. You wish for that and God gave it to you. And if I want to pray for a car, I'm going to pray for a car. He said whatever you wish for. Because what you wish for is not what you need. Now, you must have some things in your heart that you desire. I would challenge you, if you would take the word of God and plant it in your heart and stay connected to God, you will find that when you pray, things start happening. When you pray, God comes through. When you pray, God always delivers. God always shows up when you have his word in you. Ever wonder why your prayers don't get answered? You're not connected or you don't have his word inside of you. Oh, that's just the truth. I feel like God ain't listening to me. You know, half the time God answered my prayers, it wasn't because he told me so, it's because he acted upon it. God, I have this need, and next day somebody supplies that need, somebody fulfills that need, without me ever telling them. We wait for God to say yes or no, but if, if you know God, he'll do it himself. He don't need to tell you yes or no. Everything's a surprise with God. If God's word is in me, And if his word is in me, then my prayers will always be answered. My father is the provider of all that I need and I desire. If, if, somebody say if, my, rather his word remains in us. It is of the utmost importance that the word of God remains in his people. And understand that if you knew the word of God, you would know how to pray and what to pray for and when to pray for it. We must be hungry The word of God because when we're hungry for the word of God, it teaches us how to live, it teaches us how to talk to Him, and how to pray. When you find someone that you love, you investigate them, you take time to understand how to communicate with them, and then you end up knowing what they like and what they don't like. We have to learn to desire to communicate with God. I wish somebody today would really understand that so many times. We feel like we are about to fail and all we need to do is speak that word of God. The scripture declares heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. The word of God is powerful. It is effective. It is a weapon of, of truly unparalleled proportions. There is nothing that the devil can use to defend himself against the word of God. There is no barrier that can stand to it. No chain that cannot be broken by it. No bondage that can that can keep you tied up if you would just speak the word of God. I declare to you that sickness could not find shelter in your body. Brokenness wouldn't find a place in your spirit. And stress would never find a home in your mind if you would just fill up on the word of God. If you would just begin to speak it when when, when when the enemy comes your way, and every reason you have to, to, to get down and out, and you just got to say, my God owns cattle on a thousand hill. The Bible says that no weapon formed to get me shall prosper. The word of God declares, there a thousand fall at my left, ten thousand at my right, nothing will come near me. You need to learn to speak the word of God. The word of God is powerful and effective. Second Timothy 2.15 declares, study, meaning the word. To show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We can't do a real study on prayer if we never talked about the reading of God's word. Christians struggles for three reasons in their life, and they're all interlocked. Number one is they have no foundation in Christ. The result of that is they are easily swayed and discouraged and quickly fall into their own ways. Somebody testify Number two is they never truly studied God's word to receive that foundation. And so they never build that necessary foundation for them to be able to stand strong. And when the enemy comes, they have no defenses, which comes through knowing the word of God. And many times, all the scripture we know is what we've heard spoken to us. Too many times... Christians across America live by a standard of good morals rather than godly morals, not realizing the Bible says your good deeds are as dirty rags. Oh, pastor, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. But the Bible says that your good deeds are as filthy rags before God. It's not good deeds. It's godly deeds that count. The third reason is there's no prayer life. With no foundation, no education, and no communication, the average Christian falters into a weakened lifestyle with no true power, but always coming to church. The saddest thing is when a Christian makes it to heaven alone. And we never realize the full potential of our life. But it's not God's desire for us to reach the gates by ourselves. I would declare to you today the number one way you can defeat the enemy is because of the things you don't know. The number one way you can beat the enemy in your life is by the things you do not know. So I suggest you open up that Bible and you begin to learn them. We need to have a foundation an education in God, and we need to have a communication with God. Hosea, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse declares God speaking to the prophet. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Knowledge of him, of who he is and how he operates. It's time that we started to gain the real knowledge of God and how great he is and how much he loves you. God loves you. Tell somebody next to you, God loves you. God is so amazing. He loves your faults. He loves your hurts. He loves your pains. He loves every single last bit of you. All God desires is that you would serve Him wholeheartedly with all that you have. We put so much effort in this life into things that have no eternal value, and we forget what counts the most, which is our Creator. When's the last time this week you sat down and thought about the Creator of all heaven? For it was Him, God, who knitted us together, as the Bible says, in our mother's wombs. He gave us the qualities that make us who we are. He formed us to be the very individual that people love. He supplied you with the skills to do what it is you do in your life. He gave you uh, the seed and the egg that, that created your child that you so dearly love. And He gave you the ability to provide for yourself and your family. And how can we forget about Him? When I think of how vast the universe is, uh, how many trillions upon trillions of stars there are and how many planets and galaxies we've yet to find and how if even one thing went off balance in our very own solar system that it would have a, a cataclysmic event of epic proportions and that life on the earth itself would cease to exist. If one planet just fell out of orbit, every life on earth would die. And here God is still creating stars and planets, keeping the earth on its rotational axis Keeping the sun burning, the ocean currents in proportion. And yet, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all that this great, mighty, wonderful God, this, this, as the Bible describes him, a star breathing God who, who took on my sins. In the midst of all that he's doing, while he's still creating babies right now, while he's still knitting together DNA in a mother's womb all across the world, in the midst of all that, he cares and he loves me. In the midst of all that, he just wants me to stay connected. And all that he asks of me is to keep his word in my heart. When I put what God wants, and I stack it against what he's doing and what he's done for me, it's truly a small thing he asks of us. And I would challenge you today to keep his word in your heart. And your prayers should be answered. If we would just educate ourselves about the God that we serve, we would never be destroyed. Destroyed in your heart, your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit, in your life. I tell you today, it's not God's will for you ever to feel defeated, not for a split second. God does not desire for you to feel hurt, afraid, alone, and abandoned. The Bible says that he knows the very amount of hears on your head and that when a single spiral falls he takes notice the greatest trick of the enemy in this day and age is to get you to think that God doesn't care about you God isn't looking out for you why? because when somebody don't care about you you don't care about them And if he could just get you to believe, God's not looking after me. God's not looking my way. God don't care about my problems. God don't care about my hurts, my issues, my pains. You would never pray, and you would never talk to God. You would never crack open the Bible, but you will come to church on Sunday because that is what you do. But you will not have a relationship with your creator because the devil has bamboozled you into believing that you are forgotten. I'm preaching a message next week entitled, Even when my family skipped me, God picked me. Understand that when the the prophet came to David and he called Jesse and he said, bring all your sons out here. He never called David. The Bible doesn't really talk about it, but obviously there's some daddy little son issues in that scripture. And his family skipped over him. Obviously somebody in the family didn't like him. But God still picked him. And you've got to understand that when you feel like this and when you feel like God doesn't care, he's still going to choose you. I declare to you today that you need to pray like you've never prayed before and read your word and sow it in your heart. Guard your hearts and your friendships like never before. There soon will come a day of a mighty awakening and an elevation that God will bring to this place. It's my desire to see every single one of you with us in that time. Ask the person next to you, you coming? We must begin to reach to one another, we must begin to join together. As a Christian body. We must begin to have unity in this body. For I declare to you that a Christian's best friend is a Christian. That when you stand around people who stand for what you stand for, it'll be easier to make this walk work. We need each other. And I would dare challenge you today that you would not leave this place until you've made plans with somebody around you to have fellowship this week. Maybe just to talk to them, share a coffee, break some bread, and begin to bring true unity back to the body of Christ. True love. Get outside your shell. Get outside your little box and realize God is calling you. For if we knew each other, we would know how to pray for one another. And if we knew each other, we would know that each of us are hurting. And that there are people in need, and they need your prayers. And I see the enemy trying to close people in, get you all by yourself, seclude you, make you feel alone, and make you come to church and just seek God and not seek the body. Make you come to church and seek God, but run and go. But it was the purpose of God for all of us to dwell together in unity. For the psalmist declares how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. How good and pleasant it is. Even today, there are those among us, can I just keep it real? You better put your seatbelts on, who are talked about and judged and gossiped by one another. But I tell you, this should not be, for that is the way of the world. And once we bring the world in the church, let me tell you, it's hard to get it out. Only thing worse than a sinner is a sinning Christian. To know the truth and not do it is sin all by itself. I would challenge you today, but if you've spoken against your loved ones, you've gossiped or talked about people who might be sitting two rows back from you, three seats to the left of you, maybe you've developed a bad opinion about somebody who you don't even know, never took the time to get to know them, that you would be a big enough Christian today that at some point before they leave you would say, listen, I don't want to stir nothing up, but I'm sorry and I've judged you incorrectly and I need God to come in and heal me and that can only happen through your forgiveness. Oh, it's time the body really let go of your pride today. I would challenge you to approach them today and ask for forgiveness for, for if that is in you, then God cannot live in you. And for where there is forgiveness, I promise you, there is freedom. There is freedom. If you don't believe me, everybody knows when you have an issue with somebody in church, you won't go around that section of the church they're in. But if you would just get over your silly, childish, immature ways and stop acting like you're in high school and you would just realize you are grown up, you are 18 years or older, that you would just say, listen, I had an issue with you. It's in my mind. I'm a little crazy. I need you to pray for me. I'm praying for you. I love you in the love of the Lord. And now you can walk all over the church. You don't got to worry about nobody, worry about nothing. And true freedom will live in you. Because thoughts of your Christian brothers rotate in your mind all until you see them again. And they sit there and fester and they become so interpersonal until they become a part of who you are. And then, you know, there comes so-and-so with your problem with so-and-so and then people don't want to talk to you because you got that problem with this person and they're close to that person and they don't want to deal with this and then you have like it's like a gang sets in the church you got the west side over here the east side over here and you got all the you know what I'm saying and you got all these problems in church because the word of God is not innocent you would know the word of God tells you to love your brothers I understand that when we ask for forgiveness, God comes in. Speak life to your brothers. Unite with one another. Fellowship, and I promise you, every prayer you place before God will be answered. You ever wondered why another reason why your prayers aren't getting answered? It's because you're a solitary Christian. Nobody understands you. Nobody can talk to you. You can't take nothing from nobody, no correction from anybody except for the pastor himself. You make yourself unlovable because you tell yourself you're unlovable. And you seclude yourself. I want you to really think about the times you fell away from God. Everybody in here has done it. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short. And I challenge you that if you went back and looked at your phone records or whatever else, you were not talking to your brothers and sisters when that happened. And when they called you, you would hit that ignore button. Oh, we're still talking about prayer. With all this, if we pray, nothing gets answered, nothing gets done. There's conditions. There's conditions to God answering your prayers. I went through hell week. I prepared this message before this week, and I realized it's for me. Can I go a little further? I know you don't always feel like doing the things that God wants you to do. Let me tell you, I don't always feel like being a Christian, let alone a pastor. It was many times this week that I felt broken, discouraged, and hurt. You know why? I know I'm gossiped about. I know I'm lied about. I know I'm despised by some who would smile in my face, by many who would call me their friends. I know that many judge my life or my steps, and many others wait to watch me slip. Let's be honest today. Many would speak against me and never think twice or develop opinions about me or my future while never knowing the whole truth about who I am. I tell God constantly that it wasn't my idea to be a pastor. And he responds to me in John 15, the 16th verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will have a future. I chose you. God's call is so powerful, you couldn't lose it if you tried. I told God this week, I don't want it, I can't do it, leave me alone, I'm tired, I'm young, I feel like if I'm old, my life, I live like an old man. I'm looked at from every direction, judged from every perspective, mocked in every aspect, and ridiculed in every manner. God, why me? This wasn't my plan. He said, but I chose you, and you can't let go of me, and I'm calling you to bear fruit, and not just any fruit, fruit that will last. Tell the person next to you, God is calling you. There must be just someone. I can't be the only one who feels the way I feel today. there got to be somebody who can say, Pastor, I feel like giving up. I am not the person for the job God has been calling me to do. Maybe you're not a pastor. Maybe you're not a minister. But just say, what God wants me to do is too much. Maybe you don't have church folk looking up to you, looking at you, or looking after you. But there's got to be somebody in everybody's life who makes your life a living hell because you choose to serve God and you call yourself a Christian. And, and, and then they pull those cards on you every time. And, and you said, God, I'm done. God, I don't, don't want to serve you. I want to live my life. And God, I just can't do this anymore. He said, I chose you. And you didn't choose me. And because you didn't choose me, you can't lose me. God says, I appointed you before I could ever ask why. He declares in that verse, he appointed me to bear good fruit. And not any fruit, but fruit that will last. Fruit meaning goodness, finances, spiritual growth, wealth, prosperity. Fruit like children and fruits of the spirit. Fruits like the friendships and relationships of a good life. Then, and after then, after you've borne fruit, because I chose you. And I appointed you because you have me in you and I am in you. And because you know God's word, anything you ask in prayer, my father, he's going to give it to you. Anything you ask in prayer, when you are in God's will, he will give it to you. The quicker you give things, the faster you can receive. The quicker you give things, the faster you can receive. God will always have fruits in your life. I suggest everybody gets an office. Somebody ask you why. Because every time I turn around, somebody's leaving money in my office. Everybody should get an office. God always provides. Every which way possible, God provides. Every which way possible, God provides. I suggest that we really invest in an office building. God knows what would happen my point is that every time I put my faith in God, he always provides my every need. He chose you. You can't let go even if you wanted to. We thought we found, I can't understand, I, this really perplexes me. Can I let you in on something that really just bothers me? I talk to somebody who I haven't seen in a while and they have the joy of the Lord, which is a great thing. And they say something ignorant to me. Like this, I found Jesus. My response, I didn't know he was lost. Do you mean Jesus found you? Because you were the one that was lost. He finds us. We may intercept with him, but he finds us. He's never lost. I want you to put this thought into your mind right now. The master of the entire universe, the one who created every last star. Every last planet. The God who truly understands anything and everything. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. God is immutable. He cannot change. This great and mighty God who who redeemed your life from the very clinch of hell. This God had faith enough in you that you would be an ambassador for his kingdom. A proper representation of him here on earth. That she would be a shining example of what he had to offer. offer. This gigantic, unfathomable God whose greatness can never truly be imagined in its entirety. The God that shaped the very universe with his voice. The God that that sculpted the mountains of this earth with his word. The God that, that drug out the oceans with his very mouth. This God, this great, amazing, awesome, big, wonderful God chose me. When I think of it in that context, I can never give up on him. And when I keep that in my heart, how can I ignore God from that perspective? I cannot. And then after he chose me, all he said was stay with me, stay with my word. And anything you ask me, I will give to you. How do we ask that? Through prayer. Come on, stand with me, grab somebody's hand around you. I know I covered a lot today and I said a lot today. I've asked you to, to, to fellowship, to unite with your brothers, to ask forgiveness. And I would challenge today if you, if you take this word to heart and you plant it on good soil that you will see a harvest in your life and you begin to say, I don't want to be alone in this Christian walk. Let me reach out to my brothers, my sisters. Let me stop having my preconceived notions about people and let me work towards godliness. Let me work towards unity. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to just, if there's anybody here today, you're saying, Pastor, I don't know God as my Savior, and that's my decree. Today, I want to know him like you know him, Pastor. I want to, I want to see him like you see him, Pastor. If that's you, come on, just raise your hand right now. I'd like you to come to the front. Thank you, thank you. And I pray with you. I'll talk to God with you. I'll deal with it with you. We serve such an immense God. And he loves you. We want to pray with you. I see about four or five hands raised. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're not even going to ask you to come to the front. I just want you to know that God loves you. That God is with you. That you are not alone. It is a lie of the enemy. Link up with your brothers, your sisters in Christ. Come on, church. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father. I want to give you my heart for your word to live inside. That I may have true power, true faith, true desire, true trust in you. Open my mouth that I might pray with power and authority. I know and I believe that you will see it through. Every word that comes from my mouth, you will fulfill. This I believe in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, turn around and give somebody a hug right now.